Welcome to Tech on Deck podcast brought to you by Fidelity Investments. I'm your host, Maureen Olajars, Domain Leader, Software Engineering, and Adam Ely, Chief Information Security Officer. Each episode takes listeners inside the walls of a fintech industry. Anything from cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, cloud and crypto, to the intersection of product and technology. Tech on Deck breaks down the topics top of mind for technologists today. Plus, we'll give you insight into the exciting and challenging careers in fintech. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Tech on Deck. I'm Maureen Olajars, Head of Software Engineering at Fidelity. And I'm Adam Ely, Chief Information Security Officer at Fidelity. Today, we're so excited to be here with our guest, Teresa Tucci. When Teresa's not training for marathons, she's the head of digital document platform and tools here at Fidelity. We'll hear more about what that really means, maybe a little bit more about marathons later on. I think I'm going to have some questions about that. Teresa's team is part of uh, Advanced Process Solutions, or often internally referred to simply as APS, even though the job is not that simple. Specifically, the team focuses on building and delivering a vision for a digital document platform and other digital tools that provide our Fidelity customers and associates with the digital capabilities need for seamless service experiences. So Teresa, we're excited to dig in a little bit. We're, we're excited to hear about APS. Uh, we're excited to hear about digital, but you know, in your own words, can you tell us exactly what all that means? What, what you and team do here at Fidelity? Yeah, Adam, Maureen, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, and Adam, you alluded to the broader team I work in is responsible for creating technology solutions to ease digital servicing. And that the, there's a lot of little buzzwords in there. So uh, let me just try to break that down in simple language. And the way I think about it is our goal is to think about how we service our customers um, and how we can do that more easily and with solutions that leverage technology capabilities to simplify the process for our customers and in essence, also make it easier for our internal associates who interact with our customers to service those customers also. So my team's responsible for managing a handful of these products that support some digital servicing needs. Um, and let me give you one example of that. So one example of that is a product we're working on right now that we call uh, a digital vault. And it's a product that allows customers to send digital documents to Fidelity in a secure and seamless way. And that may mean sending in a scanned copy of a document or adding it from a Google Docs folder or simply taking a picture of it from a mobile device and uploading it. But specifically here, avoiding physically sending or delivering a piece of paper to Fidelity when there is the need to exchange a document in order to fulfill um, a need for a customer and providing a digital way, an electronic way, an easy way for a customer to communicate those those digital those documents to us. Thanks, Teresa. That's really interesting. So if we build on what you just talked about as a digital vault for simplifying how our customers can interact with us, our customers and associates, can you share with us some additional scenarios maybe of how something called a digital vault could be used? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's a whole set of interactions that we sometimes do with customers that, that require documentation. And let's just get a little bit specific because I know for me, it's often easier to kind of understand a problem if we're talking specifics. So let's take the example of a name change, right? 
And there's any number of reasons that uh, a user may want to change their name, right? Could be a divorce situation, could be a marriage situation, could be an adoption, could be a gender change. And so there are any number of reasons why a name change might need to be done in an account. And we are obligated for legal reasons to require documentation before we change names on the account. Well, those documents are often things like a court order and sometimes a court order paired with, let's say, a document that shows what that new name might look like. So what we're now able to do is say, listen, instead of, of trying to figure out how to, how to mail those to us or, or maybe some complicated approach to mailing those to us, here's a secure link that you as a customer can go into, just upload those to us. And now we have those in a digital format. We can more easily send them through the system to process and to get customers to where they need to be. And I think that one thing to really keep in mind here is, you know, and name change is a good example of it. Finances are very personal to people. Some of the reasons that our customers are calling us are both very personal and very emotional filled. And we want to put ourselves in our customer's shoes and think about how we can make this as easy, as seamless, as quick as possible, and really lead them through kind of this is exactly what the next step is. This is what we need from you. This is what you can expect from us next and make that very seamless and smooth. So I hope that helps in terms of thinking about a specific example and how how a digital vault might come to life. Actually, Teresa, thank you. That's really, that's immensely helpful. And I think as we go forward in the conversation, we'll explore some other you know avenues ar around all of that, but thank you for sharing. Teresa, hearing you explain kind of what you're building in APS and what and those outcomes you're trying to get to where people can easily, quickly, digitally get things done, you're kind of my personal superhero, uh, to be completely honest. I am fairly digital native. I don't ever, well, rarely ever do I touch paper. Uh, rarely ever do I pick up the phone to call anyone. I want to click, swipe, thumbs up, and be done with, with things. One of the things I noticed in the last few years, I thought I was the norm, and I thought the process I interacted with in the world were the norm. But during that pandemic that we had, the world sort of slowed down, and I realized that there was a lot of things out there that were difficult, that maybe weren't digitalized in the way that I thought in everyone's lives. Did you see the same thing? And did that change how you and team sort of thought about what you're working on in, in any way? And, and maybe this, this drive to people being more in kind of a hybrid work environment, like we are where we're working remote and in an office, like did these things in the world kind of change how, how you and team were thinking about solutions? Yeah, absolutely. And I, let me give you another example, which I think manifested itself during the pandemic. Um, and, and again, highlights that for all the places in our world where we uh, may perform activities or tasks digitally, there remain massive opportunities to still digitize, to continue to simplify. Um, again, digital is a, a word that we use, but in essence, I, I translate it to simplify. Like, how do we simplify with technology solutions? So during the pandemic, one of the first uh, experiences we had in terms of a real customer um, problem that we had to solve was, if you think about the many situations that occur where a customer or a potential customer goes into a Fidelity branch, wants to have a conversation about their finances, and often when people are doing that, they're bringing with them their paperwork that helps uh, helps that person in the branch office understand what their financial situation is. So it could be anything along from 
you know, statements from another or another company they do business with. It could be, you know, their pension statement from a job. It could be what their current mortgage looks like, right? These are all pieces of information that are often have some paper-based aspect to them that help understand, help give a full picture of what a financial life is. Well, now think about the pandemic. Everything shuts down. The doors are locked. And actually it's easy to forget, but think about there was also this Nobody kind of knew initially what you could touch from somebody's house, right? Think back to when many of us were wiping down groceries when we came inside, which might feel silly now, but again, we were operating in a dearth of understanding and knowledge and people were being uber careful. So we suddenly ended up in this position where, listen, we still need to be able to work with our customers on these important financial decisions and understand their financial current situation and be able to advise them on the future. So we use the vault uh, to create really a collaboration space between Fidelity and the customer where uh, a customer, again, gets a link to uh, a, a specific vault location. It's secure. It's accessible by them as well as their advisor only. And they can upload documents into that area. The advisor can get notified immediately once they've uploaded something new and vice versa. Once the advisor reviews those documents and potentially they have a proposal or there's an agreement to move forward on something that they need They need the customer to see a piece of paper or to see a proposal, they can add documents to the vault themselves and the customer can then get the notification that there's something there for them to look at. So it's a, a really good example of how, in some ways, the pandemic forced us to think about digital ways of getting after how we do business with customers. But that solution has actually got great legs now because quite honestly, Customers in general like it a lot more than having to print out their paper and either bring it with them or find another way to get it to us. So it's it's a, it, it helped us solve an immediate problem from a pandemic perspective, but it actually has been a real customer satisfier, and that's what we're after. Oh, that's amazing. For somebody like me to be able to upload all my documents, just have them in a single place, and when I do need to pick up the phone or go into chat or go into a branch, know that they're just there and I don't have to hunt around to find them because I don't really keep papers. So who knows where I would have put them and I'm probably printing them out again. Uh, that's sort of amazing thinking about that outcome. And, you know, the one thing I'd add there is, a you know, some of what we've talked about, Ryan, now, right, we talked about collaboration between a customer and, and uh, maybe a Fidelity associate or financial advisor. We talked about when customers need to send us information. There's also a whole area of opportunity for Documents that we produce on behalf of customers, often for legal and you know legal reasons that we need to do that, and really creating a single space for them to go and retrieve and service and sort. Um, so one thing that we talk about sometimes is for anybody um, that currently does business with Fidelity, we uh, produce tax statements, right? We produce ta tax statements for their accounts. And, and right now, if you are an individual that has, let's say, a brokerage account with Fidelity, but you also have an account with Fidelity through through your workplace. So your your uh, workplace, uh, either current or in the past, has a 401k, so you might have a 401k account. You obviously are, are given those documents for all of those accounts, but quite honestly, they're not as easy to find as we'd like them to be. So we look at Vault and the future of Vault as a way of saying, you know, to our customers, here is the set of documents that you have provided to us, that we need to provide to you with some flexibility around how you sort those, how you see those to again, make the customer's life easier and make their ability to kind of manage their finances, 
manage their, uh, their financial perspective and the things that we all have to get done, like filing taxes, easier in the long term. Teresa, I think that's, um, these are really great examples. So thank you for bringing them to life. I think of, you know, simple, safe, secure. I think about during the pandemic, you know, trying to buy a car and spending my time to look for a place where I didn't have to go talk to anyone, right? Be able to shake hands with them, be able to have to go in person, sign anything or do anything. And I spent a lot of time on that. So when I hear about the work that you're all doing in this space and trying to simplify for our customers, I'd love to hear about as the space continues to evolve, right? And we continue to learn more about our customers' needs. Um, maybe share a little bit about what you predict may be happening in the in the future in terms of digital tools, right? Yeah. So if I take a step back and I think about that whole concept of digital servicing, we have incredible opportunity to think about what I would term as kind of how we string multiple solutions together to create truly end-to-end -end digital servicing. So again, I always work best when somebody can kind of explain these things to me in real life examples. So let me go back to that, um, that example we were talking about where somebody wants to complete a name change. And we know that part of that is, again, we need some documents from you customers. So we're gonna provide you with this digital vault to upload those. Well, there's other solutions that we can uh, string together to make that fast, to make that quick, to make that easy, to make it easy on the customer. So I think about things like automation. If there's five steps in that process, how do we detect where we are when that document has been uploaded to quickly move that process to its next step and make sure that that gets fulfilled in a timely manner? I think about things like electronic notifications to customers. How do we make sure that we're notifying a customer of what their status is, where they are in it, when they can expect something to get done? And in addition to thinking about how we think about true end-to-end -end digital servicing from soup to nuts and how we can string digital solutions together, there's also kind of advanced capabilities we can think about. So at the point you as a customer might upload a document, how do we use you know, things like AI to say, oh, we asked for this document, but what we can see is it doesn't look like that's a document that got uploaded or Thank you for uploading your license. I'm not sure you realize that license is expired, so we won't be able to use it. And how do we notify somebody real time versus we take it, somebody has to go look at it, and then you're notified that there's something more you have to do. Now, we have some of those capabilities internally, but some of this is about thinking about how we really use them at scale. And again, how we apply them to the servicing aspect of how we want to work with customers to, uh, to, to further enable that process. And, and again, this is all about speed and trying to satisfy a customer request as quickly as possible. That's awesome. And Teresa, you, you talked a lot about what you're working on and the journey you're going to take all of us as Fidelity customers on, which is which is great. And again, I, I really appreciate it because it, it'll make my life as a customer easier. Um, but I'd love to also hear, how did you get here? Like, like what did your career look like that you get to be the the sort of superhero, as I said, that is taking us on this journey to make sure that our processes are easy and thinking through this product and thinking through the outcomes for for the customers. Have you always been in tech? And what does that that career journey really look like for you? So, Adam, I'm not sure I've ever been called a superhero, let alone twice in a relatively short conversation, which is a, is a fantastic upside to my day. Um, in terms of my career, 
I, I graduated with a degree in mathematics and secondary education. So high school students everywhere are happy that I actually didn't go into teaching high school math as a profession, which is what I am formally trained to do. And when I came out of college, um, I knew I needed to, to get a job. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I started working for CSE Consulting. And um, CSC Consulting has since been since been purchased by a larger uh, consulting company in Virginia. Or, and CSC sent me off to training and taught me how to code. Um, I graduated at a time where software engineering, as a as a broader discipline, was just starting to come into light. And so, you know, they were willing to invest in individuals coming out of college to train them to code. And I worked in consulting for probably about 20 or 25 years of my career. I worked for CSE Consulting. Um, I worked for a local consulting company to the Boston area that has since been brought out, bought out by uh, CGI in Canada. And in the middle of that, I had a, a, small, a short stint at a startup and a short stint at a software company in their consulting arm. But in general, most of my career before I came to Fidelity was focused on consulting and moving from, I moved at one point from software development into more project and program management. And I worked in a whole bunch of different industries, right? I worked in financial services. I had done some work at Fidelity as a consultant, but also State Street Bank and Pioneer Investments. I worked in insurance for Sun Life of Canada. I worked in the automobile industry for Ford Motor Company and for a big publisher in New York City. And I always really valued the variety of the experiences I had and having to address new problems, learn new industries, learn new business problems. And I found myself maybe about seven years ago at a assignment at Fidelity, and I was here for a couple of years. And I, I kind of got to the point that I realized that if my assignment ended and I was asked to go somewhere else, I wouldn't want to. And I felt like I'd found my home. And I think that so much of the variety and the change and, and maybe the pace that I really valued in my consulting career, I found at Fidelity. Um, I have had in my seven years here, I've had a lot of different roles. I am currently leading a, a product team delivering a product. I have led database technology teams. I have worked in planning and strategy. I have uh, focused on our agile uh, methodology and kind of the way we do work and how we structure work and think about completing it more quickly. And I've also worked in a number of our different business units in different areas. And one of the things that I've always said every time I've moved around is it's so fantastic and it's such an amazing opportunity to be able to go to a different area, feel like I'm learning a whole new business, feel like I come in contact with a whole new set of people um, that are focused on the problems that they have at hand. And one of the things that I really like about what I'm doing now is we are trying to build kind of across and for all of our businesses. How do we find some of these common solutions that we can employ for all of our customers, regardless of what, regardless of kind of what product they're using or how they interact with us. How do we think about things across our enterprise and across all of our customer experiences? Um, so that, that's a little bit of my background and, and how, I, how I ended up here. 
And Teresa, if I build on that conversation and maybe dig behind a, a couple of the areas that you touched on, right? You know, love the passion that you bring to um, talking about all the work that you've done over the course of your career. And I'd really love to just say, you know, what, you know, share a little bit around some of the things that that really do build out that passion for you and what you've what you've found um, what you've found here in Fidelity. So the one thing that I will be quick to say is I am I am proud to come into Fidelity every day and work here. And I, I really genuinely mean that. I'm so proud to work for this organization. And I think there is so much that Fidelity offers its associates. Um, and, and that's not to say that every day is easy because uh, not every day is good. And, and I will also be ready to say if every day was good, I'd suggest we're not pushing ourselves hard enough. So that's not a bad thing, but it doesn't mean the work is easy. It actually is quite the opposite. The work is really challenging. I'm really driven by tough problems and kind of the thorniness of how how we can get solutions out quickly and continue to, while we continue to provide what we kind of hold at our core, which is the ability for customers to, you know, 24 seven have uptime with our systems, with the expectations of how they can interact with our systems. Those are, those are challenging problems and uh, the innovative way in which we're trying to solve them and how we're really pushing ourselves to think about what do, what do customers need? What is the customer of the future need? What is the customer of today? And what is the customer of the future? And that's been pretty fascinating to be part of because I don't know that we would have asked that question 10 or 15 years ago. You know, the pace of technology, the pace of expectations of our customers is vastly different than it was 10 or 15 years ago. And that's really fascinating to be part of in terms of not just trying to see where the puck is today or where it might be next year. Well, what does that look like really in five or 10 years? How do you build for that now so that you're prepared for what the changes are that you might need five or 10 years down the road? I think that's incredibly motivating. Um, you know, I think the other thing that's important to point out is I'm on to use a, you know, a golf term. I'm, I'm on the back nine of my career at this point. And I very much value the ability to work with people who are either newer to their role or trying to navigate what their career is. I'm really passionate about women in technology. Um, you know, that's how I identify, I identify as a woman. I've seen I've seen that change significantly in my tenure and in my career. And yet I would say, and many of us would still say, we've got a long way to go. And I think Fidelity is doing a fantastic job of acknowledging not just women in technology, but in kind of the overall way we interpret and we see diversity, which has a significant number of dimensions, how we both kind of acknowledge where we are and how we think about what we want our workforce to look like and be like in the future and how we get there and seeing real progress made towards that, um, I, I think is really satisfying for me. I think it's amazing. Thanks. And <laughs> thanks for sharing that, right? Because there are things when you think about a company that others don't always know. So candidly sharing your own experience is really helpful. Yeah. And, and Teresa, you're obviously very passionate about what you're doing. You're obviously leaning into those, those hard challenges, but to, to use your own words, you're on the back nine of your career, as you said, <laughs> your words, not my words. So how do we recruit those next people into your group, into your team that can continue building and imagining and taking on those, those challenges? Why, why would somebody want to join your team with all the other great, you know, big challenges and, and outcomes that we're building with Infidelity? Why, why your team? Well, listen, I think that um, 
one thing that we should all be keeping in mind when I put my broader fidelity hat on is we are fortunate and, and lucky when we can when we can recruit really good talent. And while I hope somebody wants to come to my team, I'm just happy if they come to Fidelity because the reality is if you come here, you're gonna be able to build your career. You're gonna be able to navigate your way around new situations. And the flip side of that is quite honestly, there are other people that have been in their you know business units or kind of similar roles for many years and are satisfied with that too. So there's just this really big variety of what you can do in terms of driving your career where you want it to go. You know, in terms of my team specifically, we are doing really interesting work in terms of trying to think through difficult problems and linking, not just creating technology products, but I really do think the fascinating aspect of this is how do we link these technology products in a way that's meaningful for our customers and meaningful for our associates. And I know I mentioned this before, but I really do think the other interesting aspect of this is this building for the customer. And when we say customer, I don't mean the brokerage customer. I don't mean the 401k customer. I mean the person that is trying to do business with Fidelity, has an objective, and wants somebody, wants Fidelity to help them get it done quickly. And I think there's a lot of complexities and challenges in terms of thinking about things that are distinct about certain businesses. But one of the things I like to say is there's two sides to every coin. You can choose to find the differences or you can choose to find the similarities. And so what we're choosing to do right now is try to find those similarities and build for those while acknowledging that, you know, there are different rules and regulations for a 401k account than there are for a brokerage account. And our businesses can take that into account as they uh, use our products to build these end-to-end -end services for their customers. But I think, I, I think there's a really interesting aspect of this to finding the commonality. And we're working with really interesting technologies, really pushing the envelope. You know, when I mentioned things like AI and machine learning, like how do we use some of these advanced technologies to help solve our problems? That's an interesting problem to have and interesting conversations to be part of and, and to think through. And, and again, when you talk about technologies that are cutting edge like that, that's even more so of the like, wow, where's that going to be in three years and five years and trying to really anticipate that. That's great. So so let me build on that too, Teresa, because I think as uh, as as we think about uh, when folks are listening in and trying to understand a little bit more about fidelity and the kinds of things that we do, so let's 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 build on what you just talked about. Whether whether in your team or in other places in fidelity, you know, what are the kinds of things that you look for? Because you've mentioned we have so many diverse businesses that people can come in and look at, many different tech stacks. Maybe just share a little bit there. So I I leave the technology details of of how well somebody might know. Java or our cloud technologies, right? All of our solutions are, are deployed in cloud and cloud enabled. Uh, we have, you know, we have a team of people, or I have a team of people that do a great job of assessing, you know, those specific skills as it relates to the skill set that people bring into their their core technology role. I think there is there's a vast amount though of just curiosity and interest in learning and changing. So the reality is that for for people who are in the earlier part of their career, whatever they're doing now, whatever language they're coding in, whatever the biggest problems are that they're solving, that is likely to change. That's really interesting and exciting. But then that means how well can somebody adapt to that change? How well can they pick up a new technology skill? How curious are they about what's going on in the world around them and in the, in the market around them to really understand that? Those to me are just as important as the core skills that somebody brings to the table 
because they won't stay the same for 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 people in their careers assuming you know assuming they have more than you know 5 or 10 years to work they're going to be different I don't know what they're going to be, but it's going to be really exciting to see because they're going to be different. Right, right, right. No, so so I love that. And then if you partner that with um, some of the things, I can't remember if you alluded to it earlier, but whether the commitment to our learning day and things of that nature for associates who join, right? You've mentioned, you know, uh, are you curious about solving problems? Are you falling in love with customer, you know, customer issues so that we can continue to simplify for them? Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up Learning Day because I, I think it's an important aspect of how we think about that curiosity, how we foster that curiosity, and quite honestly, how we invest in our associates, right? So so typically, we look at Learning Days as every other week where teams carve out a day and individuals carve out a day to learn about technologies. Now, that can span anything from something that's new and emerging to a team spending time on something that might be coming their way that they don't have as deep of a skill set they might want in to kind of peer programming and peer coding for people to learn to each other. And I think the other important aspect of it is it's not always hands-on technology skills. It's also how does our business run, right? One of the things that I have come to realize in my time in technology is it's very easy for sometimes technologists to, to, to end up disconnected to what we're trying to deliver, right? So I'm constantly, right, the, the products we build how they're used by our customers. It's really important for people to know that and to understand how the products we build are servicing the customers that we are encouraged every day to come in and try to do to try to do our best work for. So I think that Learning Day is an, is an important component of that. And teams take advantage of that. And, and I think that, you know, from what we've seen in terms of, you know, associate feedback, I think it's really well received by associates to feel like, they have some time. Some of that is sometimes structured, but we try to make some of it unstructured too, because everybody has their own things that they're curious in and we want to foster that. We want to encourage that. Yeah. I think that's great. Great connection too to the customer, customer problems and, and making sure it's not just technology for technology's sake. As we get closer to the end, Teresa, uh, I think it'd be good for the audience to know you a little bit more. So, you know, we talked about your career, we talked about your, what you do, obviously your passion for tech and solving customer problems. Um, but as I alluded to at the beginning in your intro, what I heard, it sounds like you like to run. I am not much of a runner, so you're gonna have, oh, to, you have to carry me through this conversation <laughs> here. But uh, I'm not much of a runner, but sounds like you train for marathons and and uh, you may have had some, some recent ones or some coming up. Can you Tell us a little about that, your passion there. Yeah, so we all have different ideas of what fun is. And so mine is uh, running a painful number of miles and putting myself in a position where I'm uncomfortable. I'm not sure what that says about me, but um, I've run a total of five marathons. I recently completed uh, Big Sur. Big Sur is out in California. It's, it's a fantastically beautiful course. Uh, Route one is closed between Big Sur and Carmel-by-the-Sea. And the team, the people that run it just run up the coast. And because of that, it's incredibly scenic. What Big Sur also has to offer is massive hills. <laughs> <laughs> and I've run Boston Marathon before, and Boston is known as a hilly marathon, and it makes Boston look flat. And on the day that I ran it, there's, there was also probably about 25 mile an hour headwinds with 30 to 40, 40 mile per hour gusts. So every time I finish one, I think it's the last one, and I, I am reminded of an exchange my husband and I had 
shortly after I finished, because he was he was not with me. My kids had obligations here uh, in the Boston area, so he was here. And I would read you the text, but every other word in it, I believe is an expletive, but the gist of it was, don't ever let me do this again. I want you to remind me how miserable I am. And it only took about 30 seconds for him to respond and say, I would, but it won't matter. I'm sure you're going to do another one. And he's right because I'm already thinking about what my next one might be. But I, I feel like there is a lot to learn about marathon training and marathon running about, about life, right? I mean, you, I, I'm not, I'm not a marathoner. I've run five. If you decide you want to run one, it's all about the hard work you put into it. It's all about the week over week commitment to getting better. And what I will say about Big Sur is I didn't feel particularly well that day. And there's a lot to be learned from, you know, sometimes in life you get the hand of cards that you're dealt. You don't necessarily get the hand of cards you want and you got to figure out how to do the best you can with it. So I, 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 I like running quite a bit. There's something about kind of crossing that finish line that always feels fantastic. Uh, the path between the start line and the finish line can vary widely is my, is my experience so far. Well, I, I don't wow. know if you've, uh, if you've done five marathons, maybe you are a marathoner, uh, at least, uh, in my opinion of somebody who's never run one. Um, but I am glad that you enjoy them. It does not sound enjoyable to me, but I'm glad that you found your happiness and enjoyment in life. That's amazing. You're not the first person to say that to me, Adam, that it doesn't sound enjoyable. And in fact, my, my husband, while he was, he was commenting that I would of course do it again. He, he is also not really sure why, why this is what motivates me. <laughs> Well, hopefully he figures that out. Hopefully you keep doing your marathons and have fun. Uh, I think it's amazing you have that thing that you're passionate about and can use to, to get away with work or from work and build your build your network and I don't know, maybe even clear your head while you're running up those hills against 24, a 25 mile hour uh, wind out in Big Sur. Amazing. Well, Teresa, I wanted to thank you. Uh, we're, we're coming to a time uh, where we have to end, but I wanted to thank you for, for coming um, on behalf of, of Maureen and I. Uh, this has been great to hear what you're working on and to really hear how you're using technology to tie to the problems or the opportunities for our customers and for us as associates so that we can have those better experiences in the, in the future. Uh, quite amazing work. Thanks, Maureen. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. Um, thanks to those that are listening and... You know, I definitely hope that people that are listening got a taste of the passion that I feel for not just the work that I do, but the company that I work for. And, um, and you can come and experience it with us. So thank you. Thanks for joining us for Tech on Deck. We hope you enjoyed the episode and our first season. We will be taking a break for the remainder of the summer, but hope to return in the fall with more episodes featuring our technologists. If you haven't yet, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you to our listeners and recording studio and editors who make our episodes possible. To learn more about tech opportunities, head over to tech.fidelitycareers.com. See you next time.